We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Game podcast. We are the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com and a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, this is your your boy Taylor. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. And me and my co-host Jacob, Jacob Niffin, are our main host um, of the podcast. We're fortunate enough to be joined by none other than Noah Magaro George, um, contributor of Pounding the Rock, co-host of at the line pod and uh, formerly has been on project spurs and that's republic just a great all-around guy um provides great content he was actually on our podcast the, the postgame podcast the last time the thunder played the spurs where sga had his career high uh, he joined us again today again on the if you guys listen to my postgame podcast from yesterday uh, or, or last night you know that we are starting to record these on the locker room app and are having a ton of fun we're able to invite you all on on stage to actually ask live questions uh, we're having a ton of fun with it uh, we had a couple technical difficulties today so please bear with us and i'm going to be completely honest with you all uh, some of that may be some user error on my part <laughs> with uh, having to control the app on my mobile phone and then also um on my desktop in order to use our, our audio. But with all that being said, still some awesome, awesome content as we broke down the 107 to 102 Thunder win heading into the All-Star break. So without further ado, here is Jacob and I's conversation with Noah. Uh, so with that being said, uh, the Thunder play the Spurs on the final game before the All-Star break. OKC wins this one 107-102, their second victory against the Spurs in uh, in a couple of weeks. 
I'm your host, Jacob Niffin, joined by my co-host, Taylor Peterson. What's up, friends? Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining in. And we also have a special guest on the podcast. Joined us about a week ago. He's back. Noah Magaro is with us. Noah, how's it going, man? Good. I wish the Spurs would have won, but um, you know, I can't really complain. <laughs> hey, uh, if we're all just going to be real honest uh, and put our hands up to the Lord real quick, I kind of wish the Spurs would have won too <laughs> because uh, I want that good draft pick. But but here we are, 107-102. Uh, the Thunder squeak out another one against the Spurs, although it didn't take a Lou Dort buzzer-beating three this time. Uh, Noah, this game, really a tale of two halves. Absolutely, absolutely. The first half, they really ended so strong, and then the second half, after that opening Lonnie Walker three, just downhill, right? Ton of turnovers, sloppy basketball, and I think really their lack of familiarity with each other, with all these guys out for COVID protocols, it just really showed. Yeah, it it was especially surprising going into that fourth quarter. I thought that the Thunder were going to, going to dig themselves in a hole that it was going to be hard to get out of, based off what we saw at the start of the second quarter, where the where both teams' benches came in, and that Thunder bench, which should be one of the worst benches in the league, a lineup that's running like rookie Teo Maladon, Ty Jerome, uh, Justin Jackson, Kenrich Williams, and Mike Muscala. Like if you just find an average NBA fan and say those names, they're going to ask who the hell you're talking about, <laughs> you know? Uh, and they, so they were rough there in that first half. You know, it, it, I even tweeted this out from our account, but um, it, and as crazy as this seems, like you, you thinking back a year ago, two seasons ago, um, this second unit really misses a playmaker like Hamadou Diallo, somebody who can make things happen and really be a spark off the bench. Um, we saw that last night uh, when the, the Thunder played Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, that the bench really struggled without a playmaker like Hami there or just somebody who can really make things happen. And we saw that again the first half. But in that, that second half, like you said, Jacob, it truly was a tell of two halves, not only for the Thunder as a whole and the Spurs, um, but also that Thunder bench unit. Yeah, and you know, Noah, we were just mentioning how the Spurs had a lot of guys out with COVID protocol and, and you know, players that aren't really used to playing together. Well, when you look at this Thunder team, no Al Horford tonight. They're still without George Hill. Uh tonight they played again without Hamadou Diallo. I mean, three of their main rotation guys out, and somehow they're still winning games, which is I mean, it's impressive and it's nice. But it's just very, very surprising. So one of the, the big themes from this game, besides the, the tale of two halves that I really wanted to dive into with you guys, let's talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander because what he's done against the Spurs, Noah, I apologize. Like I don't want you to feel like I'm just like trying to shit on the Spurs the entire time we're here. But what Shea has done against the San Antonio Spurs in the past two times he's played them, I mean, what it's like almost 80 points in the past two games against the Spurs for him. He's finding something against this team and exploiting it and has looked every bit of an all-star caliber player uh, in the two matchups against San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, there, there really isn't a lot else to say. I mean, the Spurs did not do a good job of covering in the first game. I think Lonnie and, and uh, DeJounte spit, like, split their time as a primary defender on him, didn't really do much tonight. I noticed that they kind of leaned more heavily on DeJounte, who did well in the first half, but... Just It just wasn't, I think, an ideal situation. I think DeJounte is very much a gambler on defense. We know that uh, you know he likes to, to go to reach in. He likes to play the passing lanes and, and 
Shea Gilgis Alexander just has this beautiful herky jerky game that keeps you off balance. And he really kept DeJounte guessing all game long, um, especially in that second half. And then if you get a switch, I mean, it's over. There really aren't a lot of uh, versatile defenders out there. If you're thinking of guys like Trey Lyles or even Keita Bates job, who's, who's decent in that aspect, there's really not a lot of guys who you want to switch on Shea if, if you're the Spurs. So just really tough matchup for them, but I love Shea. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, and I'm always happy to watch him play against the Spurs, even if he burned the Spurs for like 80 in the last two games, like you said. <laughs> I was going to say, so a friend, a, another Spurs friend of the podcast, uh, Paul Garcia, tweeted out, and now granted this was, pro- there was still about four minutes left in the game, so I think Shea ended up with more than this. But at this point uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, Paul tweeted out that SGA now has 70 points in his last two games versus the Spurs, 32 points in the paint. 21 points from three, 17 points from the free throw line. So just absolutely attacking the Spurs. Um, and, and, and like you mentioned, you know, it, it, the, I think the Spurs did a really good job in the first half, uh, throwing different looks at Shea, uh, doubling him, uh, again, using those those long, lengthy defenders. We saw that last night uh, when the Thunder played the Mavs. There's threw a lot of different looks at him, but it got to the point, especially there in the towards the end of the second uh, second quarter when Shea really started to kind of turn it on. Uh, he, he really was in one of those zones, and it, that carried into the second half. But it really didn't matter who you threw at Shea. There was one play in particular where there was two defenders on Shea. He drives to the basket. He's still able to put up a, a, a layup. Um, there was a third defender who came over to contest the shot, and Shea was still able to, able to score over all three of them. Uh, when he gets in those zones, it's just it, it's almost impossible to to stop. Um, yeah. And yeah, for whatever not, reason, <laughs> he enjoys playing against the Spurs. Yeah, not only that floater, Taylor, but I thought there late in the fourth quarter, about four minutes to go. Shea catches that that pass on the left wing, and uh, I think he was actually like he was like basically posting up Patty Mills like thirty feet from the basket, got the pass, and just hit that ridiculous three with Patty draped yes, on him. It was like yes. Shea might have Patty's baby here in nine months. How close together those two were, <laughs> and like he still hit it. And it. I mean, just just really really impressive. So, well, hey. For those of you listening to the podcast version of this, we are live on the Locker Room app. Make sure you download the app. Come hang out with us. We've got eight or nine people in the room with us tonight just hanging out. For those of you live in Locker Room with us now, here in just a few minutes, we're going to start calling some of you guys up on stage to ask some questions. Instead of doing Twitter questions, we're going to take your questions live uh, here on Locker Room. So if you have anything you want to say about this game, uh, Spurs fans and Thunder fans alike, just hit that request to speak button. We will get you up here and we'll, we'll uh, let you talk, get your questions in. We'll chat about them. Uh, so so be thinking of yourself. Also, there is the, the chat feature on Locker Room app as well. So if you don't want to come on stage, but you still have a question, you want to type it in the chat, please feel free to do that. Uh, Noah Spurs side tonight. Uh, I wanted to ask you of these young guys. So they were missing, uh, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, uh, Taylor was mentioning earlier some of the other young guys due to uh, due, Derek due to White, yeah, Derek White specifically, but these other young guys, Lonnie Walker, Dejounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, um, Luka Samanich, who just got called up from the G League, what two games ago, three games ago? Yeah, I think three or four games ago. Whenever we last played played y'all, I think that was his first game back. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, beautiful. So from these young guys for the Spurs, what what did you see tonight from some of the young guys that that you like, and which of these young guys are you really looking forward to growing within the Spurs organization? 
Yeah, so I think San Antonio has done a tremendous job of, of drafting guys later because they've been so good in the playoffs for so long and then really being able to um, get the most out of them, right? I don't think anybody saw DeJounte Murray at pick 29 or Keldon Johnson at 29 um, and said, you know, this guy's a future starter. You know, most of the time you're lucky to get somebody who's a role player at that point in the draft. Um, and they've done a tremendous job really developing the talent. But in terms of what I saw out there tonight, um, you kind of got a sense of, uh, you know, how dysfunctional they can be, especially with guys that they're not familiar with. Like when I think of guys like DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus, um, you know, even if they're not having a good night, you never really feel like they're that out of sync with their teammates where DeJounte was turning the ball over a ton tonight. That's not really something he's done this season. And, uh, you know, I want to see Lonnie be a little more aggressive, right? He finished with 11 points, but there were long stretches where it just felt like he was standing there. He was just in the corner, um, kind of content to stand around, didn't really cut to the basket, didn't really do much. Um, you know, not happy with that. But with Luka Shamanich, uh, a solid game. He's been pretty solid since he came back from the G League. Just been a different player, looked comfortable, looked confident, um, not bad body language. Like last season when he got a few chances to come into the games in garbage time. Um, just head down, shoulders slumped, um, not giving 100% effort, just look sorry for himself. And having returned from the G League, I think he's learned a lot. Um, and Coach Matt Nilsson of the Austin Spurs has said as much, so I'm really happy with what I've seen from him, even if it wasn't the most efficient night. Yeah, um, I I hopped on here on Locker Room at halftime and did a, a quick little halftime show. And uh, one of our listeners actually in the in the room right now, Gabe, uh, we were talking about some of the Spurs younger guys. One guy I wanted to bring up that that I've just been really impressed with this season, Noah, and I want to get your thoughts on. Keldon Johnson, you mentioned the Spurs draft in the 20s of the second round, and inevitably the Spurs find guys that are just going to play in the league. That's just how yeah. they work. <laughs> but Keldon Johnson specifically – he just seems so physical and so aggressive in everything he does. Is that just against Oklahoma City or, or is this a, a theme and, and his style of play? No, this is absolutely his style of play. You know, he's kind of a bruiser, more more old school, almost like, and, and I'm not saying he is Charles Barkley or that'll be that, but he's very much that undersized forward who's going to give it to you every single night, just really rough it around, go for every rebound, go for every loose ball. Um, play bigger than he is. And and I love that about Keldon. And I think it's what's made him so successful as a 6'5 forward because, like I said, he's undersized, but he's not afraid to, you know, get his hands dirty. And I really, really think that's going to help him as he continues to develop because right now, um, you know, I see a lot of potential from him. You know, we see some flashes from him, but he doesn't um, necessarily carry a ton of responsibility, right? But uh, I really like Keldon. I think he's perhaps maybe got the highest ceiling of, of every of every player who's on this roster right now. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a layup he tonight. To watch. Yeah, he had a layup tonight in that fourth quarter where he drove in from the left wing. And like I don't even know how the shot like got up. I thought he basically just got the shit fouled out of him and somehow got the shot off and it went in. And I was yeah. just like <laughs> every time I watch him, he has just got his head down driving straight to the basket and getting a right. bucket. He's he's been really impressive. I've really enjoyed um, uh, watching him play. He seems like such a pop player too. Uh, you know, it just the guy that's always making the winning plays. Uh, I, I love watching him on both ends of the floor because like Jacob mentioned, not even on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, he, he's giving the same exact effort. Um, had some really good uh, defensive uh, series, even uh, when he was switched on to Shea, I thought, and, and just a guy that I really love and love watching and, and keeping tabs on. Yeah, and if, if I had to say one more thing about Derek, something that I thought was super interesting, or not Derek, Keldon, rather, <laughs> that I thought was super interesting is according to, to B-Ball Index, um, he's been the eighth most 
versatile defender in terms of guarding positions. He's he's guarded um, all five positions almost equally this season. You know, it, it, it's pretty crazy because you're right. He, we saw him. Um, we, we've seen him guard uh, Shea. We also saw him guard Zion this season. We also saw saw him guard. Um, Anthony Davis. We've also seen him guard a smaller guy like Chris Paul. So, um, or not Chris Paul. I'm sorry, another point guard. Um, but he's done a lot uh, for the Spurs, and he's been really versatile, really impactful as a dis- defender. And I think that's one of the things that is so special about him. He's not just, um, you know, a scorer. He's not a, just a rebounder. He really does it on both ends. Yeah, he's been really impressive. Um, so. I feel like I've buried the lead, guys. Uh, yes, the Thunder won this game. Yes, Shea Gilgis Alexander again balled out of his mind with an in- incredible efficiency tonight: fifty-eight, fifty, and ninety uh, splits, which is <laughs> with eight assists, three <laughs> rebounds, a block, and only two turnovers. I mean, j- just an absurd line. But I feel like we've buried the lead because, and again, Noah, I, I feel bad saying this <laughs> because uh, I- it's almost like I'm crapping on the team you cover. But we witnessed a murder tonight. Oh my! I, yeah, we haven't even brought up the Isaiah Roby dunk. Oh man, oh, Isaiah Roby put Jakob Pertle in an early grave. That <laughs> man is going straight to heaven because he got baptized <laughs> on live television tonight. That I mean, was a, that was we've, wild. We've seen Roby dunk this season, Taylor. Yeah, but I didn't know he could pull that out. Yeah, it, you know, we we saw a kind of similar dunk um, where where he did get a get a pass from the top of the key, drove from the top of the key, and then finished with a a really big uh, big dunk. I guess I'm trying to remember what game that was. Uh, anyway, about the one where he dropped Nikola Vucevic like yeah, a bad habit. Yes, that's what it was. Or as, he, he, or as Kendrick Perkins would say. We need that sounder. Um, but it's yes, so good. yes, uh, that was pretty funny. Uh, but yes, no, that that's exactly what I'm thinking of when he, he dropped Vooch and then uh, and went to the rim and just had a monster slam. But this time tonight, it was like you said, he had a defender in front of him, Jakob Jakob Pertle, and just uh, a, a pretty insane play by Roby. Just like the guy you absolutely would not necessarily expect that from watching him. Um, just you know. Basically, prior to that point in the game, for him to come out and pull that out was uh, was pretty fun and exciting. And to be completely honest, it, I don't want to say it was a turning point of the game. I think the turning point of the game really was when Shea got it going there uh, heading into halftime because he he kept that intensity. And that was a huge reason why the Thunder were able to pull out the, the win tonight. But uh, that that it was kind of a momentum play there by Roby, I feel like, there um, early in the second half. So two things about that dunk that I just want to mention real quick. Number one, when you watch the slow-mo replay, uh, Pirtle went up to block it and then halfway up pulled his hands down. You could tell just the mental process. And he was like, oh, shit, this is a really bad plan. Why did I Why did I jump? Right? <laughs> why did I jump? And then the second thing is it's so funny because whenever you see an NBA player throw a dunk down like that on somebody, I mean, the trash talk is there. Like, you have every right to flex. And, like, I mean, I wouldn't have blamed Roby if he would have taken his shirt off after that, you know? (laughs) But it's so awkward because he looks like he's in seventh grade. He looks like a 12-year-old with that little baby face. And it's like he threw down that dunk and kind of gave a little bit of a scowl. And I'm like, dude... You look like your mom just grounded you or something, and you're upset. Like, I don't know. It, it just, it was really funny, uh, his reaction, just because of how much of a child he looks like. But he really, he does have that baby face. And, and uh, an incredible, incredible dunk by Isaiah Roby. Um, getting a little off from the, the, the game as a whole, and I want to look bigger picture here. 
Noah, after this loss, and I don't have it pulled up. I'm pulling it up right now. After this loss, the Spurs are at 18 and 14 on the season, uh, heading into the All-Star break. At the beginning of the year, did you think that this is where San Antonio would be? Are they about where you imagined it, or are they overachieving, or are they underachieving? Yeah, I think they've overachieved a little bit. Um, One of the things that I was expecting from them was to be – too competitive to be just a flat-out lottery team like the Timberwolves or something like that. But I thought that they would be uh, somewhere in that playing range, and they've played above that. But I'm looking at their second-half schedule, and I don't know if you were going to ask me about that, but they have 40 games in 68 days. Oh, my tons God. Tons of backs, back-to-backs, Goodness. 11 back-to-backs. They finished the season with two straight back-to-backs. Um, it's just going to be really rough. I don't see them staying where they are right now in the standings. I think they'll kind of go back to that – um, you know, playing game range that I had expected of them, but not because they're playing worse, but because their circumstances are just going to be so, um, you know, challenging because the schedule will be compressed from all those games they missed because of COVID protocols. Yeah, that's that's the the big downfall is, yeah. I mean, the Thunder have played literally half of their games right now. And so their, their split before and after the All-Star break is exactly even. But you look like teams like the Spurs, uh, like the Memphis Grizzlies, like the Washington Wizards, who just have an incredibly backloaded schedule because they missed time uh, due to COVID. And the Spurs have an insanely backloaded schedule coming up. Uh, what You said 40 games uh, in the second half of the season. And, you know, teams like the Spurs, the Wizards, um, uh, others that – not coming to my mind right now, but but other teams that have had COVID shutdowns uh, this first half are having backloaded schedules. So, do you think the Spurs are are going to end up like solidly in the playoffs? Are they going to end up as a play-in team with the disadvantage of they're just going to play more games and be be more tired? Is more tired tireder? More tired? I don't know. I'm not an English teacher. I'm a history teacher. Um, <laughs> As the season goes on, do you think that's going to affect them as far as uh, them trying to make it into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it will. So I was reading somewhere that the Spurs had like a the seventh easiest first half schedule in the NBA. And the second half, they're going to have, I think, the fourth hardest. And, and like you said, they're playing 40 games, but it's going to be in 68 days. There's going to be 11 back-to-backs. And the Spurs are only one in five in back-to-backs this season. So I'm not saying you can chalk up another... Um, you know, maybe five, six, seven losses there, but you probably can. I mean, with how bad they've played in the second half. And I think there might be some roster turnover. There's been a little bit of, uh, you know, buzz about some trades involving uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, uh, Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, Trey Lyles. Um, So if they move on from these guys and really buy in 100% to a youth movement, or maybe they're trying to add another asset that fits better than LaMarcus Aldridge does right now, um, you know, this roster could look different. So I don't really know what to expect. I mean, the Spurs always do their due diligence at the trade deadline, but they rarely make a move. So no, I was going to say that's a a really good transition. You know, um, you you mentioned the the Spurs being potentially active at, at the trade deadline. Um, in your opinion, when you have these young pieces, um, this this really good veteran talent um, around those young pieces and guys like Patty Mills and Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, you know, the Spurs have been playing really, really well recently. Um, they outperforming, I think, what a lot of people thought that they would be doing heading uh, into this season. So as a Spurs fan, as somebody who covers the Spurs, what do you think that they should be doing um, heading into the trade deadline, you know, especially with guys like DeRozan and going to be a free agent um, and, and many others potentially if they're not signed to a new deal? 
what do you think the Spurs should be doing? Should they be offloading some of those veterans like you just mentioned, or should they be trying to complement kind of the core of this team? What do you think the Spurs will do, I guess, is a question for you. Oh, man, that's that's really tough. Um, Like I said, the Spurs don't really make moves. And I think the last trade that they made midseason was um, Nando DiColo for for Austin Day in 2014. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's been a really, really long time. Uh, It's it's been a long time since they've made a move. And I think at the beginning of the season, if you had asked me, um, I probably would have said, yeah, they need they need to move on from DeMar. They need to move on from Lamarcus and Rudy. and, And let's just try to buy into the youth movement. There's a really... Um, excellent draft class in 2021. Right. If we can get in the lottery, you know, do it. Um, but with, with Pop, we know that as long as he's here, the Spurs are going to try to be competitive. They're going to try to make the playoffs. Um, and for that reason alone, I think the only guy who really makes sense to move off of is probably LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, Trey Lyles has been solid as a depth, a depth piece. Um, Patty Mills has been an excellent mentor and, and, and uh, a second unit member. So has Rudy Gay. DeMar DeRozan has really adjusted to his role within this uh, up-tempo offense that they're running this year. And LaMarcus Aldridge has, I, I don't know how else to put it, but been awful. Um, you know, he's Fair. been one of the worst defenders in the NBA. They, they pretty much exclusively use him and drop coverage off of screens. Um, he's given up the most points on this team. This season, despite missing the most games of anyone on this team, um, he also is is having a career low in points per game, rebounds per game uh, since his rookie season. So it's just not looking good for him. He hasn't been particularly efficient, and he kind of slows things down, and he's done a better job at not slowing things down than he has in, in, in seasons past. They're not really running things through the post in him anymore, um, but it just hasn't really meshed. He's missed a ton of games with injuries. His, his mobility... Um, in almost every sense, lateral, uh, his speed, um, his just footwork, completely slowed just down. Yep. And it, yep. He had off-season shoulder surgery that that cost him the bubble last year, and he just hasn't adjusted. And I think he makes sense to move off of. So if they do move off from somebody, it's probably Lamarcus. Though, um, like I said, Pop really in the front office really value continuity. So I, I, I wouldn't be all that surprised if they just held on to who they have. For sure. Um, so. Kind of, kind of Spurs themed here, but I think also just league in general, Noah, that I've asked some of our co-hosts, but I'm interested to get your thought on this as well. In a traditional NBA season, we have the trade deadline happening like right after the all-star break. And we know that whenever the all-star break comes around and we have a week without basketball, these front offices, these GMs, their coaches are all able to sit down and evaluate where their team is at compared to expectations. They're able to to recalibrate a bit, and they they start making those phone calls, and these trades really start gaining traction over All Star Weekend. I mean, you know, I I think the the epitome of that is whenever Demarcus Cousins got traded during the All Star Game, yeah, uh, down yeah. in New Orleans, right? <laughs> so, but this season we have All Star Weekend now here, right? Tonight was the last night of NBA basketball before the All Star Weekend, but the trade deadline isn't until three weeks from tonight. So do you think that we start seeing movement in the NBA a little bit before the deadline uh, like we do in typical years? You know, I don't I don't know what to expect. I mean, this season has just been so crazy in general. I could easily see teams trying to use this break to make deals and, and integrate guys. But even if they did, there's just such a short period. So maybe we still see, you know, a bunch of deals being done, you know, like the hours before the deadline. I just don't know. I feel like a lot of a lot of teams may 
you know, stand pat uh, in in uh, comparison to to a normal year because it's just so hard to gauge where you are, um, what guys are coming in, who's going to even be able to play for you right away. Um, it just just a lot of different factors. So I don't even know. There's just been so much craziness in the league this season. Yeah, definitely. And I also wonder. This is the first season that the NBA is doing the, obviously besides the bubble, uh, doing the play-in tournament where right. the top 10 seats have a chance at making the playoffs. Does that change some of these front offices' mindsets come the trade deadline? I, you know, a, a team that really uh, jumps in my mind is like the Sacramento Kings, who haven't made the playoffs in like forever. If they're floating around that 10, 11, 12 range, instead of being sellers at the deadline, do they become a team that's a buyer trying to push to at least make that play-in tournament because they want to be able to at least say we've made progress, you know? So I wonder if it's going to be a little more of a seller's market. I also say that as someone who covers a team who is <laughs> probably thunder. going to be selling. <laughs> I was right? going to say you have the Thunder, the Cavs, and there's a, there's one other uh, team kind of at the bottom who's going to be a seller. But I think you're exactly right, Jacob. You're and absolutely onto something, you know, it, it, and I was reading an article today. I think it was probably the, the Shams uh, article on The Athletic, but basically talking about that very aspect. A lot of teams um, not quite willing to sell as early as maybe they would be in past seasons just due to that fact that um, they're trying to kind of weigh the risk of uh, trading away some of these, some of their, their pieces uh, and maybe transitioning more towards a rebuild and, and getting a better draft pick compared to making that playing tournament and potentially making it into the playoffs. I'm actually having a better opportunity to do so this season. So that'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, so we are getting close to probably wrapping this show up. Um, any of you guys that are in the locker room room with us hanging out right now, there's there's uh, been about five to ten of you guys all night. If you guys have any questions uh, about this Thunder versus Spurs game or the Thunder win 107-102, uh, any questions just about the Thunder in general, Spurs in general, just an NBA question. doesn't really matter. We're, we're willing to take anything. Uh, just hit that request to speak button. We'll pull you up here and uh, and you can chat with us. So as we continue to go on here, anybody that has any questions, please fire them on up and uh, and we will get you in here. And and you can chat with myself, Taylor, and Noah uh, before uh, we get out of here. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, question and answers with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. And I promise you guys, we are very close with Tywin Dish, who uh, is kind of heading this up. And there are certainly a lot of people who have already jumped on this. So if you're interested, be sure to hit up Blue Wire and get on this as soon as possible. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out our description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Slash join. So, uh, I'm sorry, Noah, were you about to say something before I did that? Oh, no, I, I like your audio cut out, so I wasn't sure oh. if y'all were waiting on me to say something. Oh. Sorry. But, I, but, but you're good, you're good. No, We're having, we're having lots it. of fun with the audience. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, man, man. Last night worked perfect, tonight not so much. Uh, but Noah, I actually, I do have a question uh, for you just kind of to kick this off uh, while, while we wait on some of our listeners to jump in and ask some questions. So heading into the season, obviously you had expectations for this Spurs team. Um, now heading into the All-Star break, essentially the halfway point, even if it's not exactly the halfway point that's what uh kind of what we're considering it to be how do you feel uh, how do you think your expectations have changed since like preseason um how do you think the spurs have performed overall have they like met your ex- expectations have they exceeded them have they maybe not lived up to them um how do you feel about the spurs heading into this next second half of the season yeah, I mean, I think they have exceeded my expectations. I think I told y'all earlier that I saw them more as a play-in in range team. I think they'll probably end up in that range given their second-half schedule. Uh, but honestly, I, I don't know. They they haven't really done a lot to convince me that uh, you know they're a title contender. I know a lot of fans have said, oh, well, they could be a dark horse candidate to be like a, a first-round ups. Had to get the young guys' playoff experience. Um, even if that's an eighth seed, seventh seed. But I also think it's really important to continue to add value to your team in terms of draft picks. And with the Spurs, 
pop in the front office have seemed to convince themselves season after season, like, let's hang on to this group. Let's figure out what we can do with this group. Um, and then they kind of were stuck in like a purgatory, right? Where they win maybe about 38 to 42 games. And then what? You get a decent draft pick. And I love what they've done with their picks, but there's only so much you can do in that range unless you get lucky with like right, a Tony exactly. or a Manu or, or or somebody like that. And a lot of fans seem to be under the impression, well, you know, DeJounte or um, Keldon or Derek, that's the next You can Manu. do that every that's single year. Tony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you just can't. You really just can't. Absolutely. And I really like what they have. You know, nothing against those guys. I think some of them have a lot of potential. I think there may be guys who have a couple of guys who have fringe all-star potential, but I think you really need that, you know, that go-to guy, the guy who can be the engine of your offense. And I think DeMar DeRozan has shown, um, you know, he cannot be that. And I, and I hate to say that because I absolutely love him. I think he's done a spectacular job this season. Definitely an all-star snub in my mind, but still not that guy who's the number one guy on a, on a play or not a playoff, but a contending team, someone who could win a title. Um, and, and for that reason alone, I really think they should, potentially try to be sellers at at the deadline but we'll see i mean they've they've exceeded my expectations but my expectations weren't really set that high that, that is fair and that's funny we we've had very similar conversations um in the thunder community whether on thunder twitter or a different thunder podcast uh you know some people clamoring why why would you not just write this team out and see what they can do and we made that same exact point no you know when you have guys like kate cunningham's or jalen suggs or kamingas and you know how strong this this draft class is you, you need another guy especially in a small market like san antonio or the oklahoma city thunder um you, you aren't going to get those now san antonio is a little different because you have coach pop but essentially you know overall you're, you're not going to attract those big names to come to you and want to play long term with you um as a free agent you're going to get those guys on controllable rookie contracts where you can have them for a long time so you think of guys like you know kevin durant maybe uh he he maybe did end up leaving but we had him for a long time although it's a controllable rookie contract russell westbrook um so it was so we, we've been having that conversation as well but i want to go ahead and welcome in joe williams uh, he has a question he would like to ask Joe, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear everybody right now. There we so, go. Yeah, hey everybody. So I'm a Spurs fan, and I was just watching that game. Yeah, so I was pretty, pretty frustrated, pretty disappointed with it because coming into tonight, I believe this team was the ninth ranked uh, defense in the whole league, and so to come out here and for OKC not to have Horford and some other guys, and for them to be on the second night of a back to back, it's very concerning for me. Because I'm looking at that second half of the schedule, and it's really rough. There's a lot of games in there. There's also a lot of back-to-backs. And I know this team this year has been struggling on the second night of the back-to-back. So I guess I just have the general questions where you guys see this team moving forward. Because I'm personally very concerned about the positioning of the team at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll I'll take the lead on this one since uh, you know I cover the Spurs, but... I think as much as I said earlier, um, this team has exceeded expectations, but with the way that the schedule is kind of against them in the second half, like you said, uh, there's probably not a lot of hope for them to continue climbing the standings. If anything, they're going to stand pat at the standings or they might fall off a little bit, fight for that play-in game. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, I think all we can ask of the Spurs is to be competitive, to try to continue building a roster, because as long as Pop is here, I don't think they have any intentions of tanking. And to be honest, they kind of owe it to him, right? He's been here for over two decades, won five championships, brought them to another finals in addition to that. So, you know, as long as he's there, they're going to try to be competitive. And 
even if we don't like that, uh, you know, I think we kind of have to deal with that and accept that that's the case. Um, to, to piggyback on you a little bit there, Noah, and in regards to tonight's game in particular, you know, I didn't think the Spurs defense was, was bad. You know, I know, uh, Joe mentioned that, you know, you guys, you guys are ninth in the league, um, in, in defensive efficiency, uh, OKC coming off the second night of a back to back. But when you look at OKC's numbers, uh, only 43% from the floor, 30% from three. True. Um, I, I think where the, the real issue for San Antonio down the stretch came here. And I mean, the Thunder only scored 107. You know, it's not like 107 in, in this era of the NBA, like isn't super flashy. Um, but I think where the, the big issue for the Spurs came tonight was the 19 turnovers. Right. And, oh, yeah. and you mentioned that earlier in the show, that fourth quarter, the Thunder really got something flowing there to win the game. And uh, it's not the, that the Thunder offense was just, you know, playing at, a, at an insane level like the like the the I don't know, the Clippers or the Lakers or, or the, the Denver Nuggets or whoever. It was just the Thunder got a lot of opportunities. Right. Right. They created second chance opportunities as well. And that was that was a huge aspect of that second half. I, I agree completely. Yeah, and I mean, like like you guys said, I mean, they capitalized off of those Spurs turnovers, turned them into points, and the Spurs are, are top in the league in terms of least amount of turnovers, only 11.2 per game. And tonight, what, they had like 19? So that's that's pretty awful. Yeah, so I I don't think there's much to, to worry about in, in regards to just tonight with the Spurs defense. Um, you know, I, I thought they did, besides guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander, um, who I'm biased. I covered this team, <laughs> but the guy's really goddamn there's good. Not, yeah, there's not a lot of not a lot of ways you can guard. Yeah, Shea. I mean, when you great. look at the rest of that starting lineup, Teo Maladone, 33 percent from from the field. Baisley, 30 percent. Dort, 31 percent. Uh, Isaiah Roby, 57 percent. But that's only on seven shots. Uh, then you get to the bench, like Ty Jerome was 0 of four. Justin Jackson was one of four. And that's the um, thing that we haven't mentioned. Mascala, I think, was a, especially there yeah. in that, that second half, you know, coming off the bench and scoring like he did, um, obviously gave the Thunder a huge boost and is something that really did kind of uh, kind of hurt that Spurs second unit. Right. I heard you guys are saying you're definitely right about a lot of, uh, besides SGA, a lot of the OKC guys were missing. I think for me, what's really concerning is obviously I don't have the numbers in front of me or off the top of my head, but a lot of the games that I've seen, it seems as though. There's a lot of wide open threes that are given up off of penetration, a lot of miscommunication, which does make sense to me because this is a, a unit that has to spend a lot of time together. It's a lot of young guys, right? So that does make sense to me, but it's a big concern for me because if you sneak into the playoffs like what Noah was talking about as an right. overseed there, you match up with a Utah or a Clippers or the other L.A. team or whomever, you know, I think we got a little bit of a preview of that in uh, the first Utah Spurs matchup where they just shot the lights out. We gave up a lot of wide open threes, and you can do that against the OKC team. No disrespect to you guys. Right. Right. But you do that, you get to the playoffs instead of Muscala, you're leaving Patrick Beverly wide open, or you're leaving, you know what I mean, Paul George wide open, or, you know, Bogdanovich. Then it's a game over like that. You're going to get swept out of there real quick. So I guess that's a little bit my concern. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel that. I feel sorry, that. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, no, you. I'm no, just no, saying no, I, no, I totally, <laughs> I totally feel that concern. I totally understand that concern. But I wouldn't read too much into one game. Uh, you know, for the season, the Spurs are 16th in terms of how many three pointers they give up per game, and 16th 
in a three-point percentage allowed. So they're pretty much middle of the pack. They're not like awful in those categories. And I think it's important to remember how many of these guys are playing tonight, like a Luca or a kid-based uh, job, um, even a Drew Eubanks. Those are guys who are not usually in the rotation. And once everybody's healthy, you know, God willing, everybody's healthy, um, they shouldn't be playing too many minutes. And this team should probably go back to, to having that good chemistry, protecting the perimeter a little bit better. So if there's any reason for hope in that area, um, you know, it's that those guys are probably returning right after the All-Star break. Thanks again, Joe. Uh, really, really good stuff. Good content. Uh, we're going to get our next uh, speaker up here. Clay Salee uh, has a question for us. So we're going to let Clay come up on the on the stage. Clay, can you hear us? What's going on, guys? Uh, just had a couple thoughts. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on to close out that first quarter. The lineup was Shea, Lou, Mike, Kenny, and Ty Jerome, which I think is a pretty funky, fun lineup. And then follow-up question to that would be, what would help the tank more, trading Muscala or trading Horford? Ooh, I think those are both good questions. Um, those are good questions. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that first one with the, the lineup, um, that's kind of just a product of who is not playing right now. Um, so, yeah, it, what was that again? It was Shea, um, Ty Jerome... Why am I forgetting the rest oh. of the ones you just said? I feel like a jerk now. Clay, Clay, Clay went back to the uh, went back to the room and off the stage. <laughs> I <laughs> know okay. I feel well, that too. But but yeah, that that lineup. Um, I think it was just a weird lineup just because of the guys who were out tonight. So so I don't think there's a whole lot to read into um, on that. As far as Taylor, who who do you trade to help the tank more, Horford or Muscala? Um, insert the meme of the the girl with yeah, the pigtails. Why not both? Oh yeah, that, that, there you go. I was gonna say a Spider-Man pointing meme as well. You know, oh like, no, why, why not both? Just trade them both. <laughs> why not both? I like it. I like it. I think you're exactly right there. Um, I, I would lean towards Horford just because you know I, I keep using this analogy um, because ever since I've heard it, I think it's so accurate. But uh, I actually heard it a couple different times from a couple different people. One, uh, a player on the OKC Thunder. Another, one, uh, it was Coach Dignall, um, but just calling him the quarterback of this team because he, he really does kind of elevate this team to a whole new level just due to his communication and his, his high basketball IQ and veteran leadership um, on the court. It really has been impressive. And I think you, you take that away, especially with a Thunder team that doesn't really have any true bigs until Moses Brown gets back from the G league bubble. Um, we'll, we'll see what he can do, but still, you know, he's dominated the G league still raw. I don't expect him to, to do that when he comes over to the league. Um, a lot of development there. So all that to say, I would say Horford is probably the answer, um, but to answer Clay's first question. And again, I, I feel bad as well. Cause I didn't, <laughs> I, I blanked on the lineup because my answer was just going to be Dagnault's lineup as a whole or Dagnault's lineup choices as a whole, um, his flexibility there, not being married to certain rotations, like Billy kind of got to at a certain point, not to put Billy down um, at all, but that was one of my knocks against him, especially when we got into the playoffs. Um, he, he was very much married to some of those lineups and some of those rotations where Dignall shows a ton of flexibility. And yes, a lot of that is due to the roster and, and this repositioning season that the Thunder find themselves in, uh, but uh, I think a lot of it as well is due to coaching and he knows what guys are playing well in a certain game. He also knows uh, which players uh, kind of can exploit certain matchups on any given in a given game. And uh, I, I've been really impressed with Dagnall's lineups. That's something that's really stood out to me about his coaching. 
Definitely. Um, Taylor, do we have any more uh, so, people waiting to get on? So Darian, asked, we don't have anybody waiting to get on. Darian asked a question in the chat. So just really quick, I'm going to try to invite him on, see if uh, see if he can, can speak, if he's around. Um, and if not, I'll just read it off. But I just invited him. Awesome. We'll give Darian just a second, see if he hops on here to ask his question. If not, we can just read it out of the chat. <laughs> um, but but while we wait for him, um, Blaine in the chat said, what young guys do you believe need a change of scenery? Uh, I think that's an inter- interesting question. I don't know if that's geared towards Thunder or Spurs. So let's just, uh, again, say why not both? Um, Taylor, any Thunder players, young players, you think would benefit from a change of scenery? Oh man, that's really tough because a lot of these, a lot of these players, to be completely honest with you, um, especially the young guys who weren't drafted or originally with this Thunder team are guys who needed a change of scenery and now are on this OKC Thunder team and have really kind of been able to show what they're capable of. I think Isaiah Roby is a really good example of that. Although I know he was traded last season, but he was injured, didn't really get to play much with the Thunder. Um, he's, he's able to showcase that now. Justin Jackson is another one of those guys, even though he's kind of been hit or miss, um, he put together a really good stretch of basketball here not very long ago, um, here only about a couple of weeks ago with this Thunder team and showed to, to other basketball teams that he could potentially uh, – potentially contribute uh, yeah. for an NBA team, although I'm still not completely sure. Um, but man, I, I think Mascala probably is the most obvious answer here. Not that he's necessarily super young, but I, he kind of has been buried on the Thunders lineup over the past couple of seasons. And he's showing that he can contribute for, for a uh, contributor <laughs> for a, a playoff uh, contender or a, um, a championship contender. So I'll be interested to see who is, is kind of looking into, Definitely. And Noah, I feel like this is a little biased maybe, but for young guys that that want to grow and get better at their craft, I feel like these two franchises that we're talking about are two of the best in the league at allowing young players to do that. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I would throw in maybe Toronto in there as well. And I think, I don't really know, I haven't kept up too much with the Thunder in their G League program. Um, you mean you I, haven't I've, been watching any Poku? Oh, I've I've watched I've watched a ton of Poku. I've been trying to keep track of their G League games this season. But I just meant in general. I'm not sure how well they've utilized that system. But I do know the San Antonio Spurs have utilized that system better than pretty much any other organization in the NBA. Um, I've been covering the Austin Spurs this season, so I've been doing a ton of research. And there's been a hundred players to come through that system who've appeared in an NBA game. Just wow. the Spurs system alone. That's awesome. Um, and, and we've seen a ton of that them this year. Awesome. I mean, tonight we saw uh, – we didn't see him, but the guys on the roster available for them tonight. Um, Lonnie Walker's played there. DeJounte's played there. Keldon, Luca, Drew Eubanks, Trey Jones, um, and, and even guys who are not available right now like Derek White have. So, I mean, that is just such a valuable system. And I think the Oklahoma uh, Blue – has been pretty valuable for Alexi Pokashevsky and even Moses Brown, who I've been pretty impressed with there as well. Um, but in terms of guys, like you were saying, maybe need a change of scenery, I wouldn't say really anybody. I think you're right. I think these are really good organizations if you want to grow. If we're just going to throw a name out there, um, you know, just for argument's sake, maybe Lonnie Walker. He's kind of had, he's a guy who, who kind of needs the ball in his hands to stay engaged. Perfect. We'll take really it. It'll only take it all of your guys' first round picks. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if the would say yes to that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for argument's sake, he, he's just a guy who's had a little bit of trouble, I think, um, playing in a, a really touch-heavy uh, uh, first unit where all the guys need touches. 
And and I think maybe moving the bench will help him. So I don't really think the Spurs are going to look to move off of him. But he's probably the only guy who would say um, even like 5% chance would need to go somewhere else to really unlock his potential. That's fair, yeah. Um, no, I, I I like that. I, I like like we mentioned, and you were talking about you know the the Thunder's G League program, and they have been uh, they utilize that as best as they can. Uh, Ty Jerome just got the call up yeah. um, to to the Thunder, just like Salmanich did for the Spurs. Uh, Thunder head coach Mark Dagnalt, um actually was the head coach of the OKC Blue, came up last year as an assistant, and is now the head coach of the Thunder. Uh, they they use it very much as a farm system. Uh, actually, the whenever we're not playing in a bubble and not in the middle of a global pandemic, <laughs> I was going to say uh, yeah. the, the Thunder's G League affiliate literally plays across the street from the the Chesapeake Energy Arena. Like I'm not kidding you, uh, four lanes uh, of traffic right across the street because I covered the the blue. I'm covering <laughs> the blue this year. I covered the blue last year in person. Uh, and it is literally right across the street. It's actually kind of fun because whenever I would cover the blue, uh, Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander would show up almost every game and just sit courtside and hang out. So uh, that was pretty fun to always watch. Um, all right, last question of the night, Taylor. Is is Dorian waiting to hop up on, on stage? Uh, yes, and I don't think he's going to, but I, I looked up his question in the chat and basically, uh, and this is a very specific Thunder question, Jacob, but he was just, uh, he's getting concerned about that. You know, the Thunder, uh, just to reiterate for Spurs fans listening in, the Thunder, uh, this upcoming draft will have the best, uh, the, basically their choice of the best two picks between their own pick, um, the Houston Rockets pick and the Miami pick. Uh, and, Ryan's question is with the Rockets losing 13 straight now, should we be concerned about losing that Rockets pick? Yeah. So, and the thing with that Rockets pick is top four protected, top four protected. So if it falls one through four, Houston keeps it. If it's anywhere outside of that, um, the Thunder get it. Here's my answer to that, Ryan. Um, even if Houston has the worst overall record in the NBA, they only have a 52% lottery chance of staying in the top four. Uh, we're talking an essential coin flip. If I have the opportunity of a coin flip, and if I win the coin flip, the Thunder get the number five overall pick in this draft and get the leftover of uh, Cade, Suggs, Kaminga, Green, or green. Mobley. Yeah, it's probably going to be Green. Shit, give me Jalen Green. Like, sign yeah, me. Right. <laughs> if it's a coin flip to get Jalen Green... I'm all in, man. So I, I don't don't worry about Houston losing games. Um, you know, even if they fall to like fifth or sixth worst in the league, that's still like a 48, 42% chance at a top four pick. It's not that much different. Um, so let them have the worst record in the league. It doesn't matter. We're just going to flip a coin and on draft lottery night, um, choose whichever God you want. I don't care if it's Jesus or Allah or Yahweh. I don't care if it's the spaghetti monster. I don't care who you pray to. Just pray to someone that that coin flip lands the Thunder's way. We have a guest on, Jacob. Save this for the group pods. <laughs> I'll be praying to all of them. I'll be, I'll be tweeting Arabic. I'll be English. It don't matter, man. I'm going to pray to every God that that coin flip ends up the way it is. Uh, uh, so, man, gentlemen, we we've, we've gone. Yeah, we've gone pretty long here. Um, but these uh, these locker room hangouts are a blast. I'm loving them so far. Uh, to our followers and and the people listen to our podcast, every post game from here through the rest of the season is going to be on uh, the locker room app. So do yourself the favor, go download it, uh, subscribe or or join the NBA and the Thunder rooms, uh, so you can hop on and listen to us live and get your questions in live like you heard tonight. 
Uh, if you are listening to this on the podcast version, man, thanks so much for downloading our podcast. We really appreciate you guys. Drop a five-star rating while you're at it. It makes me feel good. <laughs> and huge shout-out again to Noah for hopping on. Two times in a week, Noah. Uh, that is awesome. You're, you're pulling overtime with the young contestant. I feel like we need to put you on the payroll. Or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he also put up with technical difficulties tonight and uh, yeah. staying up late with us. We really appreciate you, Noah. And as always, provide some great, great content. Yeah. Uh, yeah thanks Noah, so much for having me. For sure. Noah, will you please, please, please plug where people can find you on Twitter, uh, find your writing, and find uh, find your podcast app? Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. You can find my writing at Pounding the Rock over on SB Nation. Uh, you can check out the podcast I'm on called the At The Line Podcast. I, I host it, co-host it with uh, Ty Yeager and Mac Pena, two pretty cool guys. And uh, last but not least, you can check out my YouTube channel. I do some film stuff there. Um, it's just my name, Noah Magaro George. So uh, again, thank you guys for having me on there. It was a blast, uh, you know, talking some basketball with y'all. Definitely, we super appreciate you being on here. I'm sorry they've both been after Spurs losses. Um, <laughs> so maybe you guys the next have been playing great though. So yeah, maybe the next time uh, that that theme will change. But uh, again, thank you guys so much for checking out the the show. We will be back with you. Uh, we are actually going to do, I think, Taylor, a Sunday locker room show in the afternoon yep. uh just a just a hangout so anyone can come and and chill with us and then our sunday night 9 p.m uh live pod we actually might push it back a little bit make sure we start at after the all-star game is completed um but we will have our typical youtube live show uh sunday night so tune in for that and then the next thunder game if i'm not mistaken is against dallas is it against it dallas is. or is it okay it it's is. against dallas on March 11th, which is the one-year anniversary of the NBA shutdown, when um, when Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert showed up to Oklahoma City with COVID-19, uh, a a really pivotal point in American sports history happening in Oklahoma City. So we're going to dive into that next week as well. Um, it's going to be that's going to be a tough one, Taylor. I think that one's going to absolutely be a little emotional and there's gonna be a little ptsd going on in that well, one so and then take not, your meds I mean, hit to, your therapist yeah we'll i was gonna say that one dive down a rabbit hole here at, in the outro um but even just you know with the, the all-star break going on in atlanta and apparently there's still some parties and things planned um it, it, a lot of anxiety i think leading up to that date definitely definitely so all right well thank you guys so much we will be back with you sunday check out noah's work check out his podcast follow him on twitter he's a great follow um and we will be back with you guys on sunday until then thunder up sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.